Anyway, we won't talk about that right now. We're going to talk about um, salvation. Amen. We're going to talk about the wonderful blessing of uh, justification. Uh, justification is defined by a, that simple term, just as though you had never sinned. And Jesus Christ provided that kind of standing for us. So when we stand before the Heavenly Father, we stand uh, as He would stand, holy and righteous without sin, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what He has provided for us. And that justification was provided through the redemption that was that took place on a place called Calvary. Redemption is where Jesus Christ had to pay the price to buy us out of the slave market of sin. And that price was the shedding of his own blood. Amen. And so the Lord Jesus Christ uh, then uh, went to the tomb. And on the third day he was raised. He was raised for our justification. Because he cannot present us before the Heavenly Father just as though we have never sinned unless he ascends into heaven. And when he goes into heaven, there he sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat and it atones us of our sins. And through that atonement, God sees us just as though we have never sinned. And as a result of that, he is now, because you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he now provides your sanctification. You are now set apart unto him. You now belong to him, and now we await for our glorification. Amen. When the Lord Jesus Christ will come and raise up these old mortal bodies of ours in a glorified state. Amen. And we will ever, forever go into his presence. And so all of that is done because we have a Savior that intercedes on our behalf. He is the mediator. Amen. And... Uh, through his mediation, he keeps us reconciled unto God because there's an accuser of the brethren that wants to do his best to separate us from uh, that reconciliation. Uh, but uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has never lost a case. You may be a case, but he's not going to lose your case because he, without ceasing, continues to do what the Bible calls the work of propitiation. Uh, the propitiation is where he constantly appeases the Heavenly Father for us with his shed blood. Those are all Bible terms and they have very important meetings. And they all come out in the book of Romans. And so in Romans chapter 5 we want to put the emphasis on the justification. We're going to read down to verse number 11, and then we're going to pray, and then uh, we'll get into our study. Uh, but why don't we do this, since uh, we want to give reverence to the reading of God's Word, why don't we stand as we look to Romans? And we want to begin with Romans chapter 4, verse number 23, and we're going to read over to chapter 5, verse number 11. In Romans chapter 4, verse number 23, we are told what was written concerning Abraham and what was imputed unto him for righteousness was written for us also. 
So in verse number 23, we read, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. You might want to underscore the word stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope will it maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. I don't know if I'd die for either one of them. But thank the Lord, God died for Jim Nolan. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Heavenly Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. You know, there may come a time where we'll be called upon to die for our faith and die for the faith of our loved ones. And if that time comes, God will give you the grace to do that. I honestly believe what you do not have the grace to do now when it is needed, God will give you that grace. So often uh, we uh, uh, presume upon the future and uh, we have no idea uh, what uh, will be needed, but God does. And he gives us that strength when that time comes. But what is important is you have a relationship with him now. So whenever that time comes, he is there with you, leading you all the way. Tonight we want to talk about justification through its results, through its blessings, and through the price that had to be paid. First of all, notice there as we were reading in Romans chapter 4, verse number 22 through verse number 1 of Romans chapter 5, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was for our justification. There we understand that to be justified from sin before God means that we simply must do what Abraham 
was willing to do. And what Abraham was willing to do was what class? Believe. He had to believe what God had promised. And uh, God gave him a picture of what was going to happen while he was offering up his son. And he saw uh, through that wonderful vision uh, what God was providing. And so there upon a mount called Moriah, he saw another mount called Calvary. And it was said, in the mount it shall be seen. So he called that place what class? Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh means what? The Lord will provide. And Jesus Christ gave reference of what Abraham saw in uh, the Gospel of John. Does someone know what chapter? John 1? Well, no, that's getting close though. Would you believe chapter 8? <laughs> John chapter 8. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, rejoiced, and was what? Glad in it. And they said, well, you're not even 50 years old. <laughs> and Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. What does that mean when he says, before Abraham was, I am? Does someone know? Huh? That God, when he said, I am, it just means that I am. <laughs> That's his name. And we get that, we get the name of I am from uh, what chapter and what book? Exodus chapter 3, there at the burning bush. Moses said, who shall I say has sent me? And he said, you tell them that I am, that I am have sent you. Every time Jesus Christ said, I am, they wanted to crucify him. There are seven times Jesus said through the Gospels, I am. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. And Jesus went on to say, He that believeth not that I am he shall die in his sins. For I say unto you, He that believeth not that I am shall die in his sins. So it's important that we believe that Jesus is God. Amen. Only God could provide our justification. When we think about uh, the subject of something being imputed, uh, it means uh, something that's being placed on you or something that's being inferred on you. And so righteousness was inferred or imputed upon Abraham because Abraham believed. That's why it says that it was imputed unto him for righteousness because he believed. So God places righteousness on us when we believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, the gospel is simply stated that Jesus Christ did what? He died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's important. We cannot leave out the resurrection. That is the gospel. I remember at an ordination, I, <laughs> uh, we won't get too long on this, but there were three preacher boys, and I Ask them to explain to me what the gospel is. And they said, well, it's Christ dying on the cross for our sins. It's Calvary. 
I mean, he poured out his blood. He was buried. And because when we believe in him, and, and that's all right, what do you believe about the God? And all three kept saying the same thing. And I said, well, that's not the gospel. You only told me part of it. Yep. And they were scratching their heads. And finally, Brother Woods, at that time, pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Victorville, he says, my brother Nolan wants to know is, do you understand that he also has to be risen? <laughs> and I've seen some gospel tracts, or uh, tracts, they're not gospel, that say everything about salvation but the resurrection. It's important that we understand the resurrection because in the resurrection, uh, there is a very important element of the gospel. There's the justification. There is the intercession. Uh, there is the sanctification. Uh, we don't have any of that if Christ is not risen. We don't have someone that is our advocate, one, someone that can mediate for us, someone that can stand before us and the Heavenly Father when Satan accuses us. And so it's important that we believe in the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God, righteousness of God in him. Very important. So we have imputed righteousness, and we have imputed righteousness that comes at a great cost. And that great cost was to deliver us from our offenses, meaning that Jesus poured out his life there upon the cross. There is the grace of God. You and I certainly not getting uh, what we deserve. What we deserve is hell. But instead of getting hell, God is giving us heaven. Amen. You see, that's the grace of God. Something Amen. that you don't deserve, yeah. something that you could never earn, yeah. something that you could never obtain out of the grace of God. He just simply freely gives it to you. And he delivers you from something that you deserve, something that we all deserve, and that is the wrath of God. Right. But Jesus Christ, out of his grace, Amen. went to the cross and he poured out his body and his blood upon that cross to deliver us from the wrath of God. There's the mercy of God all wrapped up in the grace of God in giving to us a wonderful gift, the gift of righteousness, the gift of Amen. eternal life. Amen. And so imputed righteousness necessitates then a mediator. Without a mediator to stand between us and the Heavenly Father, there could be no justification. That's why we are told that He was raised for our justification. We read over in Romans chapter 3, verse number 25 through verse number 26, that Jesus Christ was raised for our justification so He can intercede on our behalf by being the propitiation for our sins. We read in Romans 3, verse number 25, For whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness 
that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. May I just simply sum it up by taking you to 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 1 and 2 where the Bible said, My little children, I write unto you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, who is not only the propitiation for our sins, but for the whole world. Now, he's not propitiating our sins on the cross. He's doing that in heaven. We have that understanding, if you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, and there we understand that he propitiates, he atones for our sins because he is now risen and seated at the right hand of God, and therefore he is without ceasing interceding on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 10, notice in verse number 10, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, or for all. Verse number 11, because every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sins, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, excuse me, sins, <laughs> forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them which are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and their minds and write, and, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So we have therefore the understanding Jesus Christ providing for us something through His blood. Notice verse number 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us Amen. through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast a profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. And so God <clears throat> has made it very clear that Jesus Christ had gone into heaven, he went through the veil with his blood, and he has done something for us that no man could ever do. Only God can ascend into heaven. Amen. Only God can go before the presence of the Heavenly Father. Amen. You say, well, that makes no sense to me if there's one God. And how can God go before God? Well, we'll figure that out when we get to heaven. But that's what the Bible says. I don't have to explain it. I just have to believe it. There are a lot of things I don't understand, but I still believe it. I don't understand how Jonah could be swallowed by a whale. 
If the Bible said that Jonah swallowed a well, I'd still believe it. When God says it, all things are possible with God. How can God just simply look out into a vast space of nothing and just simply speak and suddenly something's there? Now, when you can explain that, well, then we have an argument we can sit down with about the triune of God. Uh, but man still hasn't been able to explain that. And so God simply spoke everything into existence, and God will simply speak it out of existence. When Jesus Christ comes, he doesn't battle against the, the armies of Armageddon. He just simply speaks. Amen. The Bible says that by his words he speaks and they will be slaughtered. You see, all God has to do is just simply speak and we come home. Or, <laughs> or we go somewhere. If you're not saved, you're going to you'll go somewhere. I mean, the words of God are powerful. Amen. And so we understand that righteousness is necessitated by a mediator. And Jesus Christ is the one who intercedes on our behalf. And then we see the blessings of our justification. We have the blessings of justification with God through the work that Jesus Christ has done in providing us that justification. We see that in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. I want to again just read verse number one where he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace with God is not a feeling. It's a standing. When uh, you uh, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't seek for a feeling. You 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 understand that you are now in a standing with God. There are so many people out there today that think that salvation is based on a feeling. Well, I don't feel anything. (laughs) I mean, I prayed the prayer, I believed it with all my heart, but I don't feel anything. Well, excuse me, it's not a feeling. It's a standing that you now have with God. Did you believe what you prayed? Well, yes, I believed it. But how come I don't feel anything? Well, because you don't have to feel anything to be saved. You may feel good today. I know a lot of people, they thought, you know, I felt it. And the next day they felt like they lost it. (laughs) When you base your salvation on your feelings, you're in trouble. You base your salvation on the promise of God's word. And God makes it very clear that those that do that have peace with God. The peace with God is not a feeling, it is a standing. Notice he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, wherein we stand. You see, we stand in hope. We stand on those principles. We stand on those promises. We don't back away from those promises. This standing is through Jesus Christ who stands before God in representing us. And so we have to have faith that I have a Savior, and right now he is my lawyer, he's my advocate, and and I'm sure glad that he's standing there before the judge. You know, you don't want to go into a courthouse and represent yourself. 
You need somebody that knows the law. You know, need somebody that, that has the right standing with the judge and understands uh, all the procedures and the various ordinances and can and, and effectively defend you. And Jesus Christ can do that. He just simply stands before the father and he says, yeah, he's guilty. The accuser of uh, Jim Nolan, everything he said is true, but I died for him. I shed my blood. I poured out my life there on Calvary's tree. And old Jim Nolan, he has put his faith in me. He's trusting in me. He's believing in me. And so I stand in his presence. I stand for him. I stand with him. And as long as you have Christ standing for you, you have a good standing. And it's not based on feeling. It's based on faith. And that faith is so important. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy places with hands, which are a figure of the true, but in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Amen. I don't know if you know what us means. It doesn't mean the United States. It means you means everyone that puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the us there, you can put your name there. Yeah. He is there in the presence of God for Jim Nolan, uh, for Frank, uh, even uh, how about for Pris Priscilla? Now that <laughs> going to take a lot of standing, but he's there. Amen. <laughs> and and he'll never stand down. He'll always faithfully stand there for us. The word of God makes that so clear. And so we have peace with God that assures us that we are reconciled to God. The standing through the peace with God can never be lost. You see, that's why the Bible says when we go back and look at, uh, well, I want you to, I want you to see this because sometimes seeing is very important because there's a very important play on words that we see with the peace of God and the peace with God. And sometimes people get confused about that. Notice again in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 that we're justified by faith so we have peace with God. Now, the peace with God is a standing that cannot be lost, but the peace of God is a relationship that can be lost. And it's important that we know that. It's important that we understand that. that, that we find over in Philippians chapter 4, let's take your Bible and turn there for a moment. The Bible makes it so clear that that uh, we are to rejoice in the Lord and always, he says, I can rejoice. Amen. And if we can do that, then the peace of God, which passeth understanding, will keep our souls and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. But there are some conditions in order to have that relationship that gives you the peace of God. Notice in verse number 7. He says, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your minds, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here's what you have to do. Those things that are true, whatsoever are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You see, if I'm not doing those things, then I lose that peace of God. But I never lose the peace with God. The peace with God delivers me from the wrath of God, but the peace of God assures me that I have the right relationship with God. But the right relationship with God has to do with my heart and my life and what I do with the words of God and the principles of God. So the peace with God assures us that we are reconciled and we are no longer at enmity with God. Notice what we read over there in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17 and 18. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God reconciled me unto himself, delivered me from the wrath of God, brought me into that blessed assurance that gives to me the glorious hope that I'm going to spend eternity with God. But in order for me to maintain the peace of God that assures that I'm going to have the right relationship with God, I got to live my life in a way that God can use me in ministering to others because we are not left in this world to be uh, an island unto ourselves. But we are left in this world to go out into a world that is lost And through our relationship with God, as we walk in the Spirit, as we live in the Spirit, as we have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us through our relationship with God, we're to go into a world and we are to seek as ambassadors to reconcile them unto the one who has reconciled us. The problem is that with many people, they have peace with God, but they don't work with the relationship that they should have with God that gives them the peace of God. So what is it that would should motivate us to work harder with that peace of God? Well, it's the love of God. Notice again in Romans chapter 5, verse number 5 and 8, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So he says in verse number 8, So God has commended his love toward Jim Nolan, toward you, toward every one of us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the Holy Ghost certifies God's love in my heart. It is something that happens the moment that you are saved to where you begin to recognize, God loves me. (laughs) I remember when I trusted Christ as my Savior, uh, the the thing that I was most assured of was God 
loves me now. I, I couldn't explain it, but I knew that God was now my Heavenly Father, and somehow I understood that God loves me. You know, that's a very important understanding, to know that God loves you, to know that you're no longer under His wrath, to know that you're no longer hated of Him. You know, it, it's just, I know my wife loves me. She don't have to tell me that she loves me. I know she loves me. But she stays faithfully with me. She puts up with me. <laughs> there are many things that she does for me. Uh, but I do enjoy hearing from her that she loves me. And God is constantly telling us in various ways how much he loves us. And God wants to hear from us. He said, well, he should know that I love him. Well, he still wants you to tell him that you love him. The word of God is so clear on how much God loves you that he gave his only begotten son, that he commended his love for us. His love is so broad. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trials, shall tribulation, shall persecution? He goes and he says, so height nor death. He says, angels, principalities, powers. Uh, things to come, things present. No, he says there's simply nothing that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how much Jesus Christ loves you. That's how much the Heavenly Father loves you. The Heavenly Father loves you so much he sent his only begotten Son to come into a sin-cursed world to take upon himself a human body to be cursed, to be mocked, to be made fun of to live as a pauper, to live in the, in the wilderness. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Uh, that's what Jesus Christ was willing to go through. And yet in all of that, uh, he showed great love and his provision, his care for others. And so what did they do? They crucified the one that loved them. And yet there upon the cross he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there's the love of the, the Son of God. And then you think that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that his only begotten Son, who he loves with all of his being, he's willing to sacrifice his Son for us. I could never do that. And yet that's what God has done for us. There is the love of God. The Holy Ghost certifies that love within our heart. He, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That's why the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that the, by the Holy Ghost, he's, I, I like again what he said in verse number 3. He says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation work of patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Amen. You see, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I received not only the gift of eternal life, but I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he had sealed me with his spirit 
to assure me that he is there. And somehow I had the understanding God is living in my heart. (laughs) I couldn't explain it. I couldn't take you to a Bible verse and show you. But if someone was to ask me at that time, I trusted Christ as my Savior, where is God? I could honestly say, well, he's in my heart. I, somehow I knew that God was now in my life. How wonderful. Well, let me just wrap this up. In verse number 9 and 11, we see that this is all through the shedding of blood. Why the shedding of blood? Because life is in the blood. There's a message that I've preached on the blood of God and how important blood is. And we, we understand life begins when there is blood. You think the unborn baby is the moment that, uh, that whatever they want to call it, a fetus or uh, fetal tissue or whatever, well, that's a human being because... Right that little tiny embryo or whatever you want to call it, it has a little tiny heart and there's blood circulating. And once there's blood there, there's life. Life is in the blood. But that blood has been tainted because of Adam's disobedience. And Jesus Christ came into this world not by the seed of man, but by the seed of God. And his blood is holy and precious. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, we have been purchased by the blood of God. We're told by Peter that the blood of Jesus Christ is precious blood because it's holy blood. The Bible makes it very clear that the only thing that could remove or remit our sins is the blood of God. And so there are five important things that we understand about the blood and the blessings that come from the blood. Notice in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7, the shedding of Christ's blood was for the redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. We see that in Ephesians 1, verse number 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. How efficacious is word that... uh, that we like to use because efficacious means it is so effective. I mean, mean, we're always looking for cleaning detergents that can clean just about any dirt or any stain. Well, the blood of Jesus Christ can clean the most sinful stains that man has ever created and wash them as white as snow. That is how effective the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so in order for us to be redeemed, it took the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to wash those sins away. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 12 and 13, that the shedding of Christ's blood is what brings us as Gentiles into the favor of God and brings us into the promises that were originally met only for the Jewish people. At one time, we were Gentiles without any hope, without God, without the promises. But we are told in Ephesians, verse number 12 and 13 of chapter 1, that at that time when you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, 
without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, Amen. ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. You see, my expectation of spending eternity with Christ is based upon what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's tree. Amen. He's given me a hope that fadeth not away, a hope that is full of joy, that gives to me encouragement to live for tomorrow. Amen. Regardless of whatever Satan tries to dump on me or what this world dumps on me, I have the expectation, the hope that there's a brighter tomorrow. Amen. I know the sun is going to rise Amen. and it's going to rise and stay risen forever. Amen. I know that I'm going to walk on streets of gold. Well, I may walk on a dirty, dusty trail right now and stumble in the darkness. The hope of a bright tomorrow assures me because the hope of the righteousness of Christ that has been shed abroad in my heart that gives to me a bright expectation of a glorious future. And that hope will not be deferred. You can rest assured that that hope will be fulfilled, and one day that hope will become a reality. In fact, we are told over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe it is, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now abide of faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. Why? Because in heaven there'll be no more hope. In heaven there'll be no more need of faith, because faith will be a reality. The expectation of hope in those things that God has promised that we hope for will be completely fulfilled. And the only thing that we will have uh, in heaven is the love of knowing that all of this has been fulfilled and the joy of being in His presence for all of eternity will be with us forever and ever. And so the Bible makes it very clear that that is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has brought us into those covenants that God has promised. They're ours. They're yours. You can put your name on it because of what Christ has done through His shed blood. But notice, we're also told in Colossians 1, verse number 13 and 14, that the shedding of Christ's blood was to deliver us from darkness and bring us into His kingdom. Notice he says, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of his sins. You see, Christ is going to come and reign on this earth for a thousand years and we're going to get to reign with him. We're going to be here on this kingdom. God has delivered us from the darkness of this world and from the prince of this world, and from all the wickedness of this world, and by the way, the world's getting darker every day. But one day, King Jesus is going to reign over the kingdoms of this world. His kingdom will come. We are to pray every day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven, so it needs to be done here on earth. And one day it will be done, and because of the blood that was shed on Calvary's tree, and because you believe in that Amen. blood sacrifice that was shed for you and me, we're going to be a part of that kingdom. Amen. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been redeemed from all of our wickedness. And we are going to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. But here we find something even more glorious. 
The shedding of Christ's blood has purged our dead conscience and given us a heart to serve a living Redeemer. Notice in Hebrews 9, verse number 14, And much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, there was a time Jim Nolan was living for Jim Nolan. There was a time in my life I was a drug addict. I was a, <laughs> an alcoholic. I mean, you know, the three big sins, drugs, alcohol, and tobacco, that was all in my life. And I was, just not, I was living just like every lost person lives. And Jesus Christ delivered me from my drug addiction. He delivered me from the alcoholism that I had been addicted to for years. He took the tobacco habit away from me. He cleaned up my mouth. Every other word that used to come out of my mouth was a cuss word. I was filled with anger. My wife was fearful sometimes of that anger because she wasn't sure exactly what might cause me to explode and go into a rage. But God had redeemed me. He delivered me. He purged my wicked conscience where there was a time. And I like what he says there. The purging of your conscience from dead works. You see, one time my conscience was dead to righteousness. I had no problem using God's name in vain. I had no problem going to a theater house and listening to them mock God and, and, and watching all the wicked things they put up there on the screen. I had no problem going to the bars and the taverns and hanging out and drinking with my friends. I had no problem doing all of those things. My heart was wicked, but the moment Jesus Christ come in, He purged me. My conscience came alive, and all of a sudden I felt guilt like I'd never felt before. I couldn't go to those places anymore because my conscience bothered me. God began to work and prick my conscience, my soul, and He began to purge me and prick me to a place to where I was now living for Him. You see, only God can do that. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that gave me the power and the desire to serve the living Savior and the living God that was now taking possession of my life. You see, God took the want to away and He put a new desire in my heart with a new want to. I didn't, no longer had to want to to go to those places. I didn't want to sit down at the taverns and the bars and drink all night. I didn't want to hang out with my friends that wanted to do those things. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to pray. I wanted to learn more about God. I wanted to be a soul winner. No one had to take my arm and twist it. Those are things I wanted to do. My conscience began to move me in a whole different direction. Things that no longer bother, things that used to bother me, now they bothered me. Because Jesus Christ through the blood that was shed on Calvary's tree, did something for me. This is what we're talking about, justification. God, You see, God sees us just as though we've never sinned, but He does a work of justification in our hearts to where we want to live our lives just as though we've never sinned. Well, in conclusion, we find that those things give us victory over the devil, over the world, I like what is said in Revelation 12, verse number 11. They that overcome by his, they over, 
overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death. You see, there comes a time in your life to where God becomes so real to you because of the blood of the Lamb that was poured out on Calvary's tree to where you begin to get victory like you've never gotten before over the things of this world. You see, I couldn't get victory over my drugs and alcohol until I came to Jesus Christ. And it's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that gave me that victory over Satan. And it's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that allows me to have a testimony. Amen. You see, my testimony that I live today is because of a consciousness that God has given to me of what he has done for me. When I think about going back to those old lifestyles, I, no way. God, please deliver me. Don't ever allow me to go back there. How could I trample over your blood and go back to those sins? I don't dare even think about going there to trample over his blood, the blood that was poured out. And so we have a desire to live for Christ, even to lay down our lives for him. This is what true justification does within our lives. God begins to work that justification within our lives so where we begin to work out our own sanctification to where we are now set apart unto him and it all happened because we were justified since i'm justified i might as well if god sees me that way then i need to see myself that way and i need to start living that way so because of what he has justified I need to understand I am justified and therefore sanctify my life unto righteousness and no longer live in the sins of this world. With every head bowed. Next week we get into Romans chapter 5 verse number 12 where we see the contrast between the old man and Jesus Christ. Between Adam and and the last Adam. We can either live in the old Adam or we can allow Christ to bring about that contrast in our life to where we are so much different. It all comes from the heart. Is your heart right with God? Do you desire those things? Do you see yourself justified? And if you see yourself justified, are you living the life the way God sees you? Would we dare to trample over the blood of Jesus Christ that has justified us to go back to something that took his shed blood to cleanse us from. I wonder with heads bowed, is there anyone sitting out there tonight? Perhaps you're not sure that Jesus Christ is even your Savior. But you're here tonight, and for the first time, perhaps you understood enough about the gospel to know that God loves you so much that he sent his son into this world to go to a cross and die for you. 
And by that precious blood that was poured out on that cross that we call a tree, that place that we call Calvary, you understand for the first time God loves you so much that he shed his blood for you. But more than that, he is risen and he has ascended into heaven and he wants to stand for you. He wants to represent you before the Father. He wants to say, Heavenly Father, this is my child. They have put their faith in me. You're here tonight and you're not sure that you have put your trust in Christ. Why don't you get sure? Why don't you just simply receive him right there where you sit? There are three simple things that we must understand in order to be a child of God. Number one, we must understand that we're sinners. Sin is simply God's, uh, the transgression of God's law. When you tell a lie or you take something that's not yours, you have transgressed God's law. God makes it very clear that there'll be no thieves, there'll be no liars, there'll be no fornicators in heaven. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for those sins to cleanse you from every sin that you've ever, trans ever, ever committed. If you can believe from your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, number two, if you can believe that Jesus Christ not only died for your sins, but he rose the third day, Amen. then all you need to do is just simply ask him to be your Savior. Number three is call upon him. The Bible says that if we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he will save us. You can do that by just simply confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing from your heart that God raised him from the dead. For the Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe from our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says thou shall be saved. If you're here tonight or if you're watching by way of live stream, I invite you, if you can believe that you're a sinner and Christ died for your sins and he rose again, and if you can just simply believe enough about the gospel to ask him to be your Savior and sincerely mean it, he will save you. For he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can know the moment you receive him by faith, you can know that you have eternal life. I wonder with heads bowed, no one looking about, is there anyone here tonight that would pray that prayer? You've never prayed it before. You're not sure that heaven is your home, but you've heard enough about the gospel tonight to where you understand that God loves you so much that he died for your sins. He shed his blood. He was buried and he rose again. And all you need to do is ask him. Here's how you can ask him. You can just simply pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, in the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and life and be my Lord and risen Savior. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heads bowed. Friend, if you prayed that prayer just now, would you be so kind to lift up your hand? I'll not point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you by 
having you do anything more than just simply raise your hand. But if you prayed that prayer just now, would you just simply lift up your hand? Anyone like that tonight? Just lift up your hand. Can I see those that are absolutely sure that if you were to die this very moment, that you spend eternity with Christ because there was a day, there was a time that you prayed something like that and you asked Jesus to be your Savior. How many of you can raise your hand? Just lift it up. Give him a high five. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank you. If you're not able, for whatever reason, you think, well, I'm not voting right now, preacher. I'm not sure that I want to make a decision like that right now. I'm not sure about heaven. Let me just say this to you, and then we're going to dismiss. We care about you. We want very much to sit down and share with you the Word of God. If you have questions or if there's some reason that you feel like that you can't pray that prayer right now, but you'd like to talk to someone about it, all you need to do is just say, Preacher, uh, I would love to make an appointment or to sit down with you or someone and have you explain more about that. We'd be happy to do that. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for those that came out tonight for their first time. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you'll bless this week as we go into uh, uh, this special Ladies' Day service. We pray that you bless our speaker, Natasha, and you bless the ladies, that they would encourage other ladies to come. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just pour out your spirit upon that meeting. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would do a work in every one of our hearts. Uh, that we would leave from here with a greater conviction, uh, a greater desire, a greater consciousness of living lives that are right with you. For we ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say it. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for coming out, and we'll look forward to seeing uh, everyone this Sunday, and I'm sure my wife will look forward to seeing all the ladies and more ladies beginning uh, Friday at 4 o'clock, and then also Saturday at 10. There's going to be food. There are going to be prizes. There are going to be games, and there's going to be some really great speaking from Natasha. And so you ladies, uh, be sure to let others know, all right? And I will say this, my wife has really put a lot of work into this meeting. So don't disappoint her. Please encourage her. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. You're